Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Big Esports Podcast. In this episode, I talk to two brothers who are whiz kids in regards to influencer and talent management as a whole. Now, there's been a bunch of questions I've been thinking about for a long time of quality versus quantity. I've talked about this on some podcasts before in regards to talent management, about how there's been a lot of uh, talent manager agencies that have popped up, tried to get as many talent as they can, and uh, maybe underserved some of them, as we talk about on the podcast. These guys do the opposite. But we also talked a lot about 2021 trends going forward forwards and creators doing more than just ad deals, having ownership in companies, making their own companies um, and different ways of them gaining equity and setting themselves up for the future. So hopefully enjoy this podcast. I know that I did and I have a pretty funny comment at the end about it. At least I think I'm funny. Happy New Year. Hope you enjoy this episode. I did too. Enjoy. Cole, Cody, we're live. How are you guys? Doing good. Thank good. good. <laughs> no worries at all. Good to Good to kick off. 2021 with some completely new people. I have to say, um, I think I, I think I was introduced to you guys through maybe our contact form at Big Esports and an agency or someone you're working with. I got to say, these this is the first time I have ever accepted one of those inbounds before from like an agency <laughs> saying, "Hey, you should talk to these people." Because to be honest, it's a lot of the time it's not that great. But but you guys <laughs> you guys caught my attention. That's for sure. Perfect. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. So I'd love to just get a bit of a general background on both of you guys. If you could give me a quick summary as to, you know, who you are and, and what your company's doing today and how it was founded. And then, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to chat about. You know, 2021 is going to be huge for creators and you guys are in that mix. So I've got a lot of questions to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Cody and I run Up North. Uh, we are a entertainment and media company, uh, both Cody and I are brothers and partners and uh, originally from Toronto. I'm still here uh, based full-time out of Toronto and Cody's in LA full-time. Um, we've been running up north for just over two years now. Um, so just a kind of short review, three kind of divisions of the company, one talent management, two original productions and three business ventures. Cool, cool. Do you guys have a you have much of a history in that space? Like, like how did the how did the founding come around? Uh, so two and a half years ago, um, I came to Cole with this idea to start a company in the digital space. Um, we weren't really certain on gamers. It wasn't a gaming and esports sort of uh, focus at, at the beginning. Um, I had come from uh, the traditional film and TV world. I'd worked at a couple management companies, um, production companies, movie studios on film and TV side. Um, and then I went to law school um, and thought I was going to be a talent lawyer. I wanted to work with talent um, in that capacity and going to law school, just thought it was really valuable to have my degree. Um, I, uh, I wrote the California bar exam and then two weeks later I was basically like, ah, I really don't want to practice law. Um, I, I want to do something a little more creative, a little more hands-on and entrepreneurial. And, um, I'd been, you know, sort of like bothering Cole about, about some, you know, stuff on the management side that he was previously doing and, um, just saw a real opportunity to, um, come in and represent talent that were underrepresented. And, you know, it's a lot of, um, you know, young kids that don't really know how to market themselves and they're getting, you know, taken advantage of from um, a legal perspective and they don't know their way around contracts. There's been so many scandals in gaming and esports, especially with, with contracts and um, thought we could be a, a real value add and just, you know, being creative. And um, Cole and I come from like the gaming world. We've been gamers our whole lives. Um, we understand the culture, how things work, um, things like that. But we definitely didn't start it as, you know, Hey, we're going to create like a gaming management company. It was like, 
hey, we're going to create a digital creator management company and let's have someone in gaming, let's have someone in lifestyle, um, let's have someone in beauty and food and things like that. But um, I'll let Cole speak to why I went to him. Um, obviously, he's my brother, but uh, I went to him for a different reason as well. Yeah, so so I actually come from the music industry um, straight out of college. I started an artist management company. Uh, shortly into that, I ended up finding an artist uh, from here in Toronto, and uh, quickly he ended up signing with Drake's record label, OBO Sound, here in Toronto. Things were going well, um, you know, very involved with that team. And, you know, a year in, that's when Cody uh, had just finished writing The Bar. He came to me and was just like, hey, you know, do you want to kind of start this as well? And, and given the fact that I come from the talent management side and I had experience there and Cody coming from film TV plus the legal uh, side, you know, we could fuse it all together and create something new. And I think that's, we just saw, uh, you know, a huge opportunity, especially just given our, both of our backgrounds. And, you know, at the time, obviously up until now, I think there's way more competitors in the space in just terms of agencies, management companies, et cetera. But at the time, you know, it was a, it was a real kind of open lane. So, you know, that's mm -hmm. what we did and just over two years old now and, uh, over 15 clients across the board. And yeah, things, I mean, 2020 was a pretty awful year for the world, but as you probably know, you know, it's been pretty amazing for, for the space that we work in and very fortunate that, you know, we reap the benefits of that. Yeah, it was a good segue actually, because one of the first questions I want to ask, because the last thing you mentioned, Cole, was around, you know, there being so many competing agencies in the space. And then something that you said, Cody, that I'm sure a lot of people listening already know about is, you know, um, influencers and players not being treated the best in the past. I'd be interested to see, you know, what you guys think of, I guess, the land grab of, of creators and whether you agree with that. I think what what I felt like I saw in 2019 and 2020 is is a lot of agencies Pokemon collecting. They've got to catch them all as, as far as the talent goes. They're trying to sign 20, 30, 40, 50 creators and, and um, you know, hoping to make the money simply by just managing their, their inbound um, emails. You know, I've got a mate of mine who's got millions of subscribers as gaming YouTuber. You know, he signed with an agency in March last year and has got one single brand deal since then. And we both know that if you've got 2 million subs, you've, you've definitely got some fans, um, yeah. you know, and, and it's it's very likely that you should probably get some brand deals through. So I'd be interested to, to get your guys' opinion on that. Is that. Is that how you're able to sign those talent that you really have to trust them? Yeah, I mean, I, it's like Cole and I talk about this every day. It feels like there's a new company almost like popping up daily. It just seems like people are putting, you know, companies in bios. And it's just like I've never heard of this uh, company before and, and they're fresh and, and new to the space. And I think you're right about that. There's definitely a, a land grab. I think that's a good analogy of the Pokemon catch them all. Um, and, you know, I would sort of caution it as, that's you know playing the volume game it's it, it's very transactional we really like to keep our roster lean um so that we can you know provide and, and allow for people to have a real personal connection and relationship with us um because we're more than just a brand deal it's, it's really an all-inclusive brand building exercise um that we go through with our clients from strategy to figuring out a marketing plan um branding overall content um you know, consumer products, merch, all that sort of like wrapped up in one. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that if we had 57 clients and it was Cole and I. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we like to tell people all the time, uh, you know, you're the CEO and we, we're here to act as the COOs, you know, and whatever you want to accomplish, like we're here to help you execute those, those goals. And like Cody said, I mean, sure, we can do brand deals all day, but that's not even 
I would say like the main focus of what we love to do. We're in it for the passion of really helping creators build something. And obviously now you're seeing creators at a point where, you know, they can go off and start their own businesses. They can go off and branch into these other areas. And, you know, we're, that's what excites us kind of, you know, a lot about this, the future, especially this year. Yeah. I've been really interesting in, be really interested in thinking a lot recently about that quality versus quantity, like as far as the creators go. So do you guys find that that great success for you of keeping it lean and mean and maybe selling more opportunities per creator rather than just having that wider list? Because, you know, like when I'm working with brands, I'll get pitches from some agencies and they'll be like, you know, we've got access to 30,000 talent. You know, we've got access, we've got 700 guys on our books that are all exclusive and, and things like that. But yeah. it, it just feels, um, it feels a lot of time pretty faceless and it feels like I don't necessarily get the best deal. But at yeah. the same time, at least as, as a brand, when I'm doing that stuff, it does give me access to a wider set of creators. So they're more likely to cast that net and to catch that deal, I guess, than if, you know, one of your 15 doesn't, isn't suitable for the audience that I need. Yeah, it's definitely one-sided in terms of like a brand agency or the brand itself going that route. I think it's beneficial for them. But on the flip side, I wouldn't even know, like if something came in and there were 75 clients on our roster, I wouldn't even know where to place it. Like it's, it's just too impersonal. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not why we got into this business at all. Mm, That makes sense. And I guess like, you know, one thing I talked to to Fusion Droid about um, on a podcast, he's a Minecraft YouTuber with with a couple of million subscribers. And, you know, he was saying that 95% of his income also comes from his ad revenue and only 5% from, from his business. So, I mean, how do you guys function with that as, as, as an agency? Like where are you mainly making your revenue from today? Yeah, we mainly make it from the brand sponsorship side. Um, really depends. Um, but yeah, I think that's like for, for most creators, that's where they're seeing, you know, the majority of the revenue just because the payouts from AdSense are so great. Um, especially if they're hitting an ICPM and the, and the content's clean and they're playing a more of a, a family friendly game and, and things like that. Um, mm. but yeah, I mean, we're always trying to strive and, and create different types of revenue streams for people. So we're not so reliant on the deal coming in and that's for a sponsorship or a brand. It's, it's really, you know, who, who, first of all, like who makes sense? Um, you know, do you not want to do mobile games? Those are always questions that we have with our creators, those, those types of ads and things like that. But it's always just trying to think of things um, differently where we can span, expand your brand. And there's a real mutual benefit to both the brand having you on there and then you to the brand um, as well. So there has to be that sort of two-sided relationship. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, you know, obviously we're fortunate enough to see, you know, a big influx of, incoming requests as far as like the sponsorship side but at the same time like Cody and I like to go a step further and actually you know generate ideas on our own end that we go to brands with with the idea to hey this is why you need to partner here's an idea for a campaign and you know we've seen a lot of success with that um two brands kind of top of mind that we've done that with is Smile Direct Club I mean we have a client who is uh, the biggest female Call of Duty gamer, and she's just known for having this infectious smile. So we had the idea to, you know, go to Smile Direct and have a conversation with them because that made a lot of sense and ended up, uh, you know, doing a partnership. And that was their first time working with a gamer. And we did something uh, similar with Haritos, which is, you know, a Mexican soda brand that, you know, not too many people from like a Gen Z perspective might know, but, you know, came to them with that idea. And now they sponsor a bunch of our uh, Fortnite creators. So, you know, thinking outside the box and doing kind of one, you know, unique and first of its kind, you know, partnerships and, and opportunities, that's kind of where we strive for. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess, you know, because once again, using that Pokemon collecting 
thing that I was saying for those people aren't aware, like a lot of the time the manager will be managing the incoming business email address. And often what they're relying on is I'm going to get 60 YouTubers under me and I'm going to rely on, you know, the square spaces of the world and the audibles, et cetera, to, you know, the VPN, you know, 400,000 VPN companies that advertise every minute on YouTube to send me an email, offer me some work and I'll just take a, I'll just take a percentage off that. Whereas, you know, what you guys are doing is, is trying to take that active approach is keeping it, you know, down to your 15 creators and actually building campaigns and going out, you know, more, more like an agency, I guess, and, and putting those campaigns together. Right. Yeah. yeah. We like, personalize it too. You know, it, it, like I said, like, because one of our clients just had a smile, boom, right there, light bulb, you know, it made sense. And we kind of tailor it to, you know, specific creators needs or parts of their personality that make sense. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I, I go back to this analogy. I remember telling, I don't know if I talked about this in any content before, cause I used to work at Corsair for a couple of years in Australia. And I remember sitting there, I think it was like a land party got canceled. It was like 2017 to 2018. I was doing my budget and I had like seven K us a quarter just sitting there. And I remember thinking like, I don't know where to spend it. Like, I wish, I wish someone would come into my email right now and be like, Hey, look, here's a cool idea. Cause I literally would have just given them seven K out of nowhere. Like sometimes you just got to shoot that shot. Right. And, and yeah. like another example I use is, um, is, is Kieran, who's been on the podcast before with, with bang energy, you know, he, he sold, uh, I don't know if he talks about it publicly. He sold a lot of money through bang energy simply by filling out their contact us form. And mm-hmm. they said, send us some channels that, that you've got signed. And he sent them and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll take on like all of them. <laughs> so sometimes you literally just have to ask the question, right? Yeah. 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 It's an education thing too. Even like newer and brands that are either, you know, contacting us or like, Hey, we don't really know how to activate in the space. Like sort of, can you give us a little education? It's, there's definitely a lot of back and forth on the education process of how to activate in gaming, what, what makes sense, how, how things work. So yeah. So, I mean, as an agency as well, there's, um, there's something I've been thinking about for a long time too, is how do you guys smooth out your revenue process? Are you working mainly with this, you know, selling one video at a time to a brand? Um, or are you focusing more on these long-term partnerships with some of your clients? Like you mentioned the small direct club, like working with these, um, these kind of brands, are they six, nine, 12 month contracts that you're going, you know, on retainer for, or, you know, how are you guys developing that out for your business? Case by case. Um, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of our talent are like, let's get as many long-term deals just because again, you're, you have the ability to like grow alongside the brand and they do as well with you and you mm-hmm. get to develop a nice relationship with them. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like case by case or one-offs, obviously. So you see a lot of volume of one-offs. You don't see a lot of the long-term brand deals, you know, every single day. Um, but yeah, just trying to open them up to different and new revenue streams from a consumer products, from merch, um, you know, especially on, you know, third party content. Can you start creating content and go sell a show to this platform or that platform? Does that make sense? Um, you know, could you start another YouTube channel? Um, what type of content would you put there? Could you sell sponsorship against that one? All sorts of things like that. Yeah. Mm. And maybe this is a good segue just into kind of the second branch of our company and especially going into 2021 is a big focus for us is productions. Um, You know, we have some more news coming soon, so I don't want to share too, too much. But, you know, we have partnered with an amazing production company out of L.A. that is um, heavily involved in the brand and content world, everything from original series, podcasts, 
uh, branded commercials, et cetera. And, you know, the goal for that partnership is to really help develop our talent, especially the higher level ones who are able to now expand to do those things. And whether it's selling a show to Snapchat or, you know, starting their own series on YouTube, um, you know, those are the types of opportunities that we're going to look at. And, you know, we're really excited. We have one uh, series that's going to be rolling out in a few weeks that we're very, very uh, excited and proud of. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And I guess you know, touching on that last thing before, like in my people's experience, I found it's been really creator based, right? Like some some of the guys that I work with, um, so like Bajo Pants, for for example, he was on on TV here in Australia for many years. Like it seems to be long term is what he's really keen on. And I think mm-hmm. we're 21 months into relationship between him and a PC retailer. You know, I sponsored him when I was at Corsair in 2018 and he's still with them right now. Um, and he picked up AMD not too long after that. But other guys, I guess maybe some of the YouTube heavy guys that I work with, like they don't seem to care about that long-term at all. They're just like, you know, give me my, my 4k for my pre-roll and you know, I'll, I'll do three of them. And then I don't want to hear from this brand ever again, kind of thing. That's fine. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think so many creators, especially, you know, that are seeing a lot of money from AdSense get comfortable. Um, so that like, I know I'm getting a check for whatever, tens of thousands of dollars a month. This is going to last in a good groove. Um, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know, we're always telling, you know, our clients like tomorrow there could be another adpocalypse and therefore the split goes from 55 to 45 to something not in your favor and you can't do anything about it. And you're at the mercy of the platform. So how are you diversifying? Where are you going? Where are you putting content? How are you selling against it? How are you monetizing? Just like always trying to be top of mind with them. Um, because you, you really just never know. Like, for example, look at what happened with TikTok, and there was so much um, uncertainty if the platform was going to shut down. And you saw the rush of all the creators on the platform trying to plug all their other social media accounts. And it became this whole sort of cluster of a mess. And um, just always being aware of that um, for, for our clients is just really, really important for us. And that goes yeah. to the point of like building a community. Never has it been more important for you know creators, streamers to start early in terms of building communities. I mean, we've seen creators that you know, sure, they might have 3 million subscribers, but they can't sell more than 10 t-shirts of their merch, you know? So it's all like, I think it's super important to just have that community built now because you're seeing the, the most successful people are the ones that have the strongest communities. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. You know, doing doing some work in merchandising and, um, you know, some of the projects that we've got coming up this year that, that I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast soon. It's always interesting to, yeah, see those case studies or see those lack of case studies. The amount of um, agencies that I've tried to work with in the past with certain clients that, you know, require a guaranteed click-through rate or they're looking for sales figures. It, it's always shocked me about how many creators or agencies just simply don't have a single case study besides this yeah. video got this many views and that's it. Yeah, I think it's important to have, you know, as much data as, possible just to offer it in different ways everyone's like there's so many different requests like you know you get the typical demographics for this or you know i think the more value you can provide and more transparent you can be on the other side it's just going to help everyone yeah that that thing you said about adsense was a good segue actually into you know i guess uh, creators trying to diversify their portfolio like, mm-hmm. like both of you guys really mentioned and and do something different because I guess leading into that story, it's something that I see a lot is creators don't start promoting another platform. They don't start promoting um, their merchandise or a company that they're wanting to create until they're on the downturn. And then mm-hmm. obviously it's a bit too late. And I feel like sometimes it's hard to explain to them that, yeah, things are going great now. You're 18 years old, you're making $15,000 a month off AdSense. But you know, what if there's a scandal that comes out 
what if uh, the game you're playing dies out of nowhere, which happens yeah. sometimes, happens um, you know, where people happened. aren't interested in watching you anymore. Or Adpocalypse, like you said as well. And this, for those people who don't know, the Adpocalypse was after a PewDiePie drama where a whole bunch of advertisers pulled out uh, a lot of money from YouTube and a lot of people started making a lot less CPM. So be interested in, in talking about that with you guys. Like it's a massive trend that I'm looking for in 2021, which is creators setting up their own businesses. So whether they're investing their own cash into something else, which has been from my experience, non-existent in the past, but it's only just starting, um, to creators starting their own businesses, which once again, in my experience now, they're actually starting them before they're over the hill mm-hmm. or creators gaining equity in businesses in return for promotion. So instead right. of a company saying, hey, we'll pay you a hundred grand for a long-term campaign, we'll give you 60 grand in equity um, right. for the promotion instead. So I'd be really interested in hearing you know, your thoughts on that and, and whether you're working on some stuff like that with your creators. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a big focus again for us, especially in this new year and, um, kind of original business ventures is, is kind of one of our, or the third division now of, of up North. And yeah, we're seeing this influx of, you know, maybe there's early on startups that don't necessarily have, you know, a, a big amount of money to pay a creator up front, but they're, you know, they're willing to give some equity in exchange for those deliverables. So we've completed a, a few of those deals in, in the last quarter of 2020. And awesome. we're going to see some more opportunities just like that. Um, in addition to that, like you said, the you know, creators are investing their own cash in, in businesses. And we're fortunate enough that, you know, one of our clients formula, uh, both up North and formula invested in backbone, which is, you know, this mobile uh, controller, which I think is going to be like the future of mobile gaming. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting that um, I guess these guys are starting to put their own cash into stuff, right? Like the first time I really heard about it was, I think I talked to Jeff Pabbs, chief revenue officer of FaZe, and he was saying that, you know, some of his younger creators are starting to invest into stocks and bonds and things like that. And I know Kieran um, from Elusive said that one of his guys, I think he was like 14 years old, you know, when he hit 15 or 16, he was able to, he was buying some property and some things like that too. So now it's cool. It's really cool to see these guys do it because I guess, you know, the cynical, mainstream business people think that the kids are spending it on private jets and Gucci bags and Lambos that they're crashing into poles and things like that too. So it's good to see that. And you can't blame them sometimes, right? Because it's, I see it not much different to a sports celebrity. Like if I was 15 years old and earning $20,000 a month, like what do you think I would do? I'd probably go straight to the shop and buy as much junk food as I wanted and order Uber Eats every single day. Like put on like a hundred pounds, you know, straight away for sure. I'd go on stupid holidays and throw money at dumb things. Yeah. And that content gets rewarded, especially on the YouTube VOD yeah, that's true. Like, so they're more incentivized to be like, oh, like they're doing a video on my new car or whatever, my ten thousand dollars shopping spree. Okay, I'll 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 do that too because it's working for views. Yeah. And we're, listen, Cody and I are no experts in the in the financial management space, but like wealth management is so huge, and especially getting you know young creators start early on that. You know, we're here like we're here for advice. You know, if we've had. People come to us and like, hey, I need a business manager. Sure, we'll connect you. Hey, I need a trademark attorney. Great, you know, we'll we'll help set that relationship up because we want our creators to succeed in the right way. Mm, yeah, and you find, you know, and I, I found this personally. If you support these creators and do good business with you, they're gonna they're gonna follow you forever. And these guys are becoming immensely popular. That can bring you great business in the future. So it does pay, right? It does pay to be nice to them. You know, I've got a bunch of guys that are kind of 
you know, manage as a friend like on and off, but when they're looking for an agency, like I'm sure they're going to come knocking and ask me who to sign with just because they know that, you know, the first time I ever reached out to this person, I wasn't asking them for something. I was offering them something, you know, reach out to them and said, Hey, I've got five grand for an NVIDIA campaign. Would you like to do that? And then you, you pay them on time <laughs> and then you just build a relationship yeah. from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of our clients have come from word of mouth of other clients. Like I think it just sort of speaks volumes to what we've been able to do with those individuals. And that's the best way to do it. Right. You, you, you treat someone, someone well, you do good work together and then, you know, they're introducing you to somebody else. Like that's the best client referral system ever. Or yeah. Yeah. You said, Cole, you said before that um, you had a couple of companies that you were um, promoting for equity, like with, with some of your creators. Um, I don't know whether you can say like exactly what those companies are, but I'll also be interested in learning about like what space do they play in? Are these more merchandising people? Are they, are they video games? Like, like what kind of companies are they? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, we're, we're kind of exploring opportunities. Some like one that we've done in the past is a uh, is a in the food beverage area, okay. uh, yeah. kind of new to the space. So um, those types of opportunities. Um, Cody and I, like personally, kind of outside of all of this, we're we're really amazed by what's happening in the sports card world. I think that's. I mean, everyone knows how hot it is right now. It's just going to continue. So. Would yeah, love nice. uh, to, to check out that space. We actually rep uh, a ton of uh, big sports gamers, uh, some of the biggest names as far as like, you know, Madden, NBA, 2K, NHL, et cetera. So, you know, maybe there's some opportunities there. Yeah. Oh, I got someone to introduce to you there. If George, your dad's watching right now, which he might be, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll get you to I'll get you to talk to him. He's, he's definitely planning something within that space. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, is there any is there any particular types of companies that you're seeking more than others, or are you just you know, besides, besides the sports. You know, it was so interesting. There was a time a couple months ago where I think over a two week period, a similar company approached us um, or three similar companies approached us. It was like um, really playing into sort of uh, what's happening in, in, in the audio space, um, different uh, apps and startups on the tech side that are similar to like clubhouse. I'm sure you're familiar with what's going on with clubhouse. Um, yeah but there's sort of like this audio wave that, that that's coming. And there are just a couple um, that had approached us um, more on even like the sports hybrid lifestyle podcasting sort of areas. Um, right. Really, really interesting sort of all came in at the same time, but just having seen the trend of what, what's happening with audio and where that's going. Um, it was just like surprising. We saw them all at the same time, but yeah, that was interesting. Hmm. And I would, I would assume you guys have been approached by unlimited new social platforms as well. People yeah. trying to launch. I feel like, yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, I'm, you know, we're doing, I think we talked about this before we started recording, but I'm doing like up a, a bit of a trends in gaming and esports 2020 carousel mm-hmm. at the moment, but I just decided not, not to include that one in there. <laughs> but I mean, even, even me, I got approached by like, I reckon about nine different social medias last year, ranging from yeah. esports to gaming to sports. People yeah. want to come in the space. Yeah, we see we see quite a few to be honest with you, especially even like on the live streaming side, a new platform trying to break into and uh, take some business away from you know the twitches of the world. Yeah, it's a it's a tall order, right? I mean, if Microsoft yeah. can't do it, I mean, it's obvious Microsoft made some mistakes, but either, yeah. either way, it, it's when someone asks. It, I, I see it similar as someone asking me like. I want to make a tier one global esports team right now. I'm like, okay, get out your checkbook, like 300 yeah. million. I can make that happen for you. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty similar. Like I'm sure you probably could take on Twitch, but you're going to want half a billion in your pocket <laughs> for the first round exactly. to, to kind of get there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what other, what other kind of uh, things are you guys looking forward to in, in 2021? You know, for, for me, it feels like 
2018 to 2020 was probably people finding their feet a lot. It was people focusing on, you know, brand deals. And, and I feel like last year, especially it was people focusing on actually getting value out of the brand deals, not just, not just how many views, but, you know, conversion metrics and, and sales and things like that. You know, it was a big rise, especially in merchandise, probably for the last six months of 2020 as well. You know, every influencer was doing their own limited edition run of a black hoodie with the logo and, you know, maybe something special on the sleeve and whether it be with champion or themselves or something like that. But what, what other trends are you guys looking forward to in 2021? For us personally, I think it's, it plays really heavy on the content side. I mean, we were part of that trend uh, last quarter with the merch side. And honestly, some of our clients saw a lot of success, like multiple clients doing six figures in, in a merch drop, which was, which was awesome to see just, you know, seeing their community so receptive to them. Yeah. Uh, the, the content side is something that we're really passionate about, like Cole was talking before, um, you know, really building out in particular to start it off um, one of our clients um, to produce sort of a, a slate of, of, of new content and IP that, you know, we'll be able to, you know, own together and, and market and promote and, and build, you know, over a long period of time, um, you know, living on different platforms and just being flexible and fluid, you know, try and create some new stuff. Can you, can you explain to me more about how that works? So like I'm, I'm assuming another example is phase, right? They announced they're doing phase studios. They also did their own movie and things like that too. So are you guys creating some sort of custom video audio content that you can um, not only have ownership of a brand of content, say like a Jersey shore is a brand within itself, but also something you can sell to other platforms. Like, you know, you can sell it as a YouTube original, you can sell it to Twitch, et cetera. Yeah, 100%. So the, the, what we're doing is starting on the YouTube side of things. So it will live there. Um, and then, sort of, you know, as we go along and, and continue to build out different types of IP, you know, within that um, and different types of shows and play on VOD and play on live stream, um, you know, we'll be able to just entertain conversations with different platforms, OTT services, um, because we'll own the IP and we can take it anywhere. Um, so just once we just want to establish the brand and the concept first. And then once we see, um, you know, that viewership and engagement, um, you know, we'll be able to sort of uh, start having conversations with um, other platforms and brands. You know, what I feel like with, with some of these creators, I talked to a sales guy yesterday about this and his essential thing was he worked in like ad tech and he realized that he, he was responsible for the entire company. Essentially he was out selling you know, every other person within the company and it was him. So it only made sense for him to leave to make his own company. And he's, he's fabulously uh, wealthy and successful now and a really nice guy because of it. And I've, I feel like creators are doing the same. I feel like creators are saying, why am I promoting someone else's movie? Why am yep. I promoting someone else's hoodie? Why am I promoting someone else's game? Yep. I mean, and, and that's what Jeff Pabs talked about on um, from FaZe on the podcast. He said that FaZe has been thinking a long time about not necessarily developing their own game, but taking a, a game in early development and pushing yeah. it to being like, why would I push Fortnite or Apex Legends when I got no say over the patch notes or whether yeah. my team's featured in there or not and and go a, you know, a hardcore route and do your own? Like, is that, am, am I right? In, in thinking yeah, that? You're totally right. We're seeing a lot of situations where a creator is obviously more valuable to the brand or whatever it is than vice versa. So it just makes mm. sense uh, to kind of keep it in-house. And if we can do it, we can do it. Because all, all these guys, could, you control your distribution. You have an audience. You can pivot that to a product that you're selling. You can pivot that to, you know, making people download an app. You can pivot that to making people watch more of your content. You could put a paywall behind things. You've seen that with, you know, um, Full Send and, and Logan Paul. And, 
you know, there's so many different opportunities I think you're seeing now where creators are like, oh, I actually can can almost like, you know, perform just as well, if not better than the company that's approaching me. Why don't I just try to do it myself? And if it doesn't work, then let's go back to the company and we can try it there. Or on the flip side, let's try it with the company as a test, um, knock it out of the park. And then I know the case is there that I'll do it myself later on. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I guess I, like a hybrid of that that I've heard too um is that you know there was this there was this uh food and beverage style company that was been working with these creators for so long they were so in- instrumental in their success that i think they basically said to them look we're sick of paying you so much money why don't we just give you part of the company instead okay. and then you can promote us from there and you know similar kind of thing like the relationship's been great because you know when i like when i talk to people about like goal brand deals um and i, I you know i can't say whether they do or don't have equity in them like i don't think they do but whenever i think g fuel i think phase whenever i think phase yeah. i think g fuel because all of the creators they talk about g fuel all the time they've got you know hundreds not hundreds but they've got lots of different flavors they're always on their jerseys they're always talking about it. it's always in all of their content and that that seems to be like a goal but it doesn't that kind of relationship comes around you know once in a decade if that kind of thing are, but if yeah, they, are unicorn partnerships you know what yeah. I mean? But if the creator has created their own company, like, of course, they're going to talk about it all the time. Like when a fitness influencer creates their own protein shake, of course, they're going to be drinking that in their vlogs. Of course, they're going to be wearing the shirt of the merch. It only makes sense for, you know, a creator to do their own keyboard uh, and, and to do that all the time, make their own gaming chair, which they're sitting on. I guess that's a thing, right? I haven't haven't heard of a single creator making their own gaming chair company. It's not very hard to do one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll have it at some point. Yeah. 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 I think we'll eventually see almost every category um, from peripherals to chairs to, you know, even games themselves that you're going to see creators just trying to do them themselves, which I think for us, it makes me personally really excited to just explore different things outside of the day to day. Here's a brand deal. Put it on your YouTube channel, put it on your Twitch stream and make money. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited yeah. to see how far creators can stretch outside of their own niche, right? Like, I mean, Mr. Beast is Mr. Beast, but like the, David Dobrik of the world, for example, like creating a puzzle. I mean, that was genius what he did with the puzzle. And I like, I would love to see how a gamer could, how far a gamer could take a product that's non-gaming related. Mm, mm. It's pretty true. And I guess it's what, I guess it's what you tie yourself to, right? Like there are a bunch of gamers there who are known as car fanatics. Yeah. So there's definitely a way that a gamer could create, you know, a modified car workshop where they work on the other creators' cars and then create content you know, around that, you know, there's obviously, you know, you mentioned the Mr. Beast thing as well. You know, he went from, you know, I would, I would say that his audience is very gaming, you know, type orientated, you know, he's, he's general user, but he's done everything from releasing his own app, you know, to his, his live physical challenges with gamers, with people like the Misfits, et cetera, to, you know, doing his own burgers across the U S and things like that too. So it definitely can happen. It's definitely easier when you're more of a lifestyle vlogger type of individual than a gamer, because, you know, you're looking at a lot of gamers and their content majority or 90 plus percent of the time is, hey, I'm playing this game, I'm playing Fortnite, I'm playing Rainbow Six, I'm playing Call of Duty. Um, you're going to watch me, you know, whatever. I'm going to go into Warzone and have a crazy game. Like that's the extent of, of, of the content. Um, mm. I think where it gets really interesting is, you know, when you're seeing some of the orgs, you know, doing different types of, you know, IRL challenges and IRL content on the lifestyle side where you can really branch out and um, expand on that. Because, you know, if you're a fan of creator, you're going to want to know what their hobbies and interests are and you're hopefully aligned with them. And, you know, if, if someone that you um, follow and, and really enjoy watching their content is a, is a big chef and they love to cook and they want to show that and express that, um, you know, that should be an area where that person explores maybe selling products. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, 
yesterday, I think, you know, I think it was yesterday or maybe today, all the days are similar, but um, Nick Merck did, a, did a, a stream from his gym. I mean, that's synonymous with his brand. He's sort of, you know, mm. that, guy that works out all the time. It's, it's part of his identity. And, you know, to be able to show that to 40,000 people concurrent, um, it's pretty phenomenal, right? So, you know, you're able to, okay, does, does he go and say, hey, I'm a gym fanatic. All the people who are watching me. Are they gym fanatics? Can I sell equipment? Can I be part of, you know, those startup apps like Tonal and um, mm. those kinds of products and things like that? So it just opens you up to so many different things, you know, outside of this this gaming niche. But you know, you start from the game. You're a gamer, and then what can you expand on from your core? Yeah, and I guess a lot of what you're saying, right, is it's got to be natural because I'm sure you get this too. Is unlimited. Um, MMA managers and rapper managers saying, you know, my client is a gamer, yeah. you know, they want a free $10,000 PC because they're thinking yeah. about streaming next week. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time you go through their Instagram and there's not one single mention of them playing games on there at all. And you go, well, you know, okay, what, what relevance does it have to the market? And the advice that I've given to some of these guys before, you know, we, we launched like a, a football player into, into becoming a content creator before the new year and said to him, like, you know that you play FIFA a lot, but your fans don't. So just post it every now and then whenever you're playing by yourself yeah. or with your daughters, you know, with, with your, with your mates, just do a selfie and say, Hey, I'm jumping in war zone. Like, you know, having fun playing today. And yeah. then you start to build that natural thing. Cause I think, you know, I don't know if these guys just don't think that way they forget it or something, but you know, we've all seen that a lot is, um, I think you know, they, they also think that because they're a celebrity or an athlete and they have an audience already, that's going to translate directly into becoming a gamer or a content creator, which is just yeah, not gonna, it's just not going to yeah. happen. You really yeah, like, different. And, and the gaming community will sniff you out in two seconds. Like if you're not genuine and authentic, they're not going to watch your content. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had that once we had, um, we had a gaming, uh, house for a while. We, we created kind of this kind of, uh, team called shade crew that was living in the golden mile in Brighton here. Golden miles, like where the CEOs and the sports celebrities live and stuff. And one of the guys that came to the house is Shane Warne, who's the second highest wicket taker of all time in cricket. So pretty big guy, but you know, he came through and, and, he, and he jumped on the sticks on Fortnite for a bit. And it was a bit of a meme, you know, it was funny for a while, but then after a while, I think people started to lose interest. You know, it's like, why is this boomer playing Fortnite? He doesn't know how to build and, and shoot at the same time. So, <laughs> you know, when he got his first kill and stuff, it was pretty good and a bunch of meme pages picked it up and the concurrent viewers went okay. But yeah. exactly like once that, you know, that kind of thing passed, like, you know, it's, it's over can, from there. But you can't sustain it. That's that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, really true. Yeah. I don't know if it's just me, but it really does seem like MMA fighter managers and rapper managers are the two that are always asking me to get their clients free PCs. I don't know if it's for you guys. I don't know if it's more country music over there or what, but yeah. that, that seems to be the two. More athlete side too, yeah. I think. I mean, we've dipped our toes into the athlete representation world. Um, it hasn't like really panned out as, as we maybe thought it would, um, but we feel the same way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's trying to balance, I guess, I find it really hard to balance that across everything. I'm trying to think about the best way to say it. So the athlete is used to being paid a certain amount of money, right? To do a campaign. And yeah. that's not realistic if you're reaching out to your normal gaming clients, because mm-hmm. of course, they're raised, it's just going to say, well, 0.1% of their audience is relevant to me. So I'm going to give yeah. you, you know, 3% of what I would normally pay someone, which is peanuts right. according to them. And then, you know, then you want to reach out to the traditional companies, but then the traditional, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever says, you know, it's a bad example, but they say, well, we've never worked in gaming before, so we don't want to do anything with you either. So I feel like you hit a stalemate there and the hardest hump to get over is getting them a PC because PCs aren't cheap and, um, you know, they're often low margin and that stuff too. So I'd be interested to hear, like, am I, am I right in, in, in that kind of statement? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when we 
done it at least it's it's like oh well when's my first payment for a gaming company gonna like when's a gaming brand is gonna give me you know a bag and then we're just gonna you know keep on going keep on going and every single company that you know we have conversations with which is the ones we deal with our clients on a day-to-day for our gaming clients is like this we've seen this time and time again it's not going to transfer we'll give them free product and they can like give us a shout out and mm. i think the best ones at least from a brand side have been like let's keep in touch from a community sense so post about us we'll post about you to the community so that authenticity can shine through from their side of things um which is beneficial but again when you're looking at the athlete side they're so used to getting paid right away that um unless they're truly dedicated to building a brand within that identity um it's 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 a long road and it's very tough to convince them Hmm. that definitely makes sense yeah there's i got i'm I'm lucky that I've, I've found a couple of, of athletes who really understand that. They, they understand yeah. that you can't get those quick wins. Be the really interested to see. More so. The younger athletes do because a lot of them mm. just come from the gaming world themselves and they watch YouTube content and they watch Twitch streamers. So you got to really go younger if if I'm giving any advice to anybody. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And I've, I've seen not, and I've seen not just that, but I've seen ones that are more new, they're into their career too, seem to yeah. understand it pretty well because, yeah. you know, they, they've got a legacy that, that they want to maintain, but also they understand that, you know, maybe they're not getting paid as much money as they were in the past. Yeah. Maybe they're not going to be on the next world cup team, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They're not winning as many games, kicking as many goals and whatever sport they play. So they understand that, okay, what's the next thing that I can put a bit of sweat in and, yeah. And help to set up because part of what I think too is that if you look at a lot of these agencies, you know, we were working with a, with another company who wanted to acquire an agency, so got a bit of insight into you know how much these guys kind of cost a lot of the time. I mean, these these top level athletes um, who want to get into gaming are earning more per year than these entire companies cost anyway. So what is it to them to mm-hmm. spend a little bit of time? You know, they get they can't get a PS Five or they can get one for free. They can't buy one at Walmart, but they can get one for free. So why not? Why not just chuck? you know, a couple of hours of my time at this thing because it doesn't mean anything to me and doesn't cost that much. But it's, right. you know, if you're looking at the Travis Scotts of the world, the the Kun, Sergio Kun, um, you know, who released his own esports team and this kind of stuff, like it can pay off in a massive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just comes down to the authenticity and organic nature and if you're willing to actually build that brand identity. Because if you are, then go for it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Do you see, um, you know, more of these companies coming to you from an early stage, offering offering equity into these creators? Or, or more so, I should ask it from the other end. Is it something the creators are even interested in? Like if a startup comes to them, you know, maybe, they've, maybe they're raising a million dollars and they've raised, you know, 800, 900K of that. Have you, you know, is there any interest from your creators for them to be gifted in quotation marks that last 100K in return for promotion instead? I think it's a mix. You know, I think there's some creators that just understand the value and, and the potential value over a long period of time. But then, you know, some creators are just like, hey, well, if my equity is not vesting for, you know, a four or five year period, then am I really, you know, do I really want to put in the time right now? And w- brand number B over here has a hundred K for me and I can just take it right now. So it, I think it's yeah. on the scenario, but um, yeah, I think more often than not, we're seeing creators actually take, you know, an active interest in like, Hey, this inequity piece would be really cool. I think it's becoming cool too. Like just from a mainstream, call, you know, you're seeing so many articles and press releases of creators and influencers and athletes, you know, getting equity in early stage startups. And it's almost like becoming a sexy thing. It's like, you know, so, so once it becomes sort of that cool factor, people are jumping in and maybe, you know, they are a little less um, hesitant to, to, 
you know, just jump in, um, or not as hesitant to jump in and, and, and not as worried as, you know, what's, uh, the monetary value it can have if it was just a one-off. Yeah. yeah it, could build trust, yeah. Right? it could build trust with their, com- with a community. I mean, look at backbone when they had their announcement, you know, it came out laser beam, marshmallow, nade shot, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they're all behind this company. And I think everyone was like, Oh, well, this must be good if, you know, they're all involved in it. Yeah. 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 Nuts. I mean, you know, the creators are promotion themselves, right? Like just that, just yeah. that short list of people that you gave besides the other ones that invest like fresh Asian who's huge in himself and, you know, yeah. all the other guys, like the, the amount of marketing power those guys just bought themselves for, for kind of free because the equity isn't worth anything until the company's sold essentially. Anything, you know what I mean? That's the risk that you take, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just got to make sure that the, the product actually delivers, right? I remember there was a, there was something that PewDiePie invested in that was kind of, kind of similar, like quite some time ago. I always wonder what happened to that. I'd stumbled across it like six no, months ago know. again. I don't even remember to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they, I mean, part of it is setting the right deliverables, right? It's making sure that the creators actually bought in to what yeah. they're doing and, and yeah. the contracts, are, not just the contracts are tight, but the creators actually care because we all know that you know, the disdain that gets built when a creator is promoting something that they might like at the start and they hate at the end. And then maybe you get like the, what is it like the Joe Rogan fear factor thing? Like I've heard him talk about fear factor a bunch of times where he's like, it was great for the money, but I hated it. Like, so yeah. if they ever wanted to relaunch fear factor, I mean, he's a pretty anti rep <laughs> for that show. Yeah. That's just part of the education process too. I mean, even as people get more and more excited of, Oh, I'm could invest in a startup where they're going to give me equity for services or deliverables. Like, you have to understand you're going to be with them for a long time. Like there's, there's an average of like seven years so that you're probably going to have to be associated with the company. So really keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, Cause if you're going to drop off after a year, then like there's just absolutely no point. The other interesting one too is, um, you know, I guess for those people who already know me in the podcast quite well is that Placer Studios is one of our shareholders and they, they IPO'd a couple of weeks ago and they've got a, a series of creator apps that they've, they've already got launched and they've got coming out as well. Is that, is that something that's, you know, that's, it's on the radar of you guys as well. So in the past, you know, they've, they've worked with, with apps, which are kind of like games that are branded as the creator kind of maybe based around their life and, mm-hmm. and things like that too, you know, whether it's hard based, whether it's like solely about them or whether it's just, they're just a, one little part of it and part of the promotion, yeah. be interested in hearing about that from you guys too. Yeah. That was hard. That's all I'll say. Really I was just going to say apps are really hard to sustain. I think you're going to see an influx on at the beginning. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what uh, David Dobrik's disposable app. I know they got a couple million um, active users in the beginning. I don't know how, how long that sustained. Um, yeah. Apps is a really difficult. I think it has to serve some function. Like the David Dobrik app has merit because, you know, maybe people want like the disposable camera look or some effect that they can take photos with on a phone. But having like an app that's just centered around a personality or a creator, I think that's hard. I'm pretty sure like, who was it like Jeremy Renner, like tried doing that, like the Jeremy Renner app and it right. absolutely just failed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google that right now. Just want to see what, what Mr. Beast is doing and, and night media with the finger on the app challenges and things like that, yep. which that serves a functional mm-hmm. purpose and, and they do extremely well. Um, so it really has to go on like how long you're, what's the outlook and, and what's the sort of longevity of what you're trying to build there? Because long-term it's so hard to build any type of app and get people engaged, you know, after day 20. Yeah. Yeah. And from my experience being similar, I was, I was looking at a fan engagement app concept for a client we were working with. And the end answer was you need to almost have too many features and it be too valuable or just don't even bother. 
Because exactly yeah. like you're saying, like, yeah. you know, are people really going to be interested in an app that does, you know, those kind of disposable camera type things? Or what happens when Snapchat or Instagram just install that as a filter? Mm-hmm. And then well, why bother downloading that app ever again? Yeah, I mean, we, we just um, were part of something with, a, with an app called Flick. It's like a sports um, fan app, which one of our clients is a um, part of, and he's driven about, you know, I think he's driven about 10,000 of his fans over already, which is, um, awesome to see people actually go download a third party app onto their phone and actually engage. And they have really engaging tools when you're watching basketball and football and, and soccer and things like that. So I think, you know, those are mm-hmm. functional purposes, which have potential to, you know, create, um, a real like incentive for people to stay. So one, one other topic that we talked about a little bit before we started that I began to chat about is kind of merchandising and where that's going. So, um, you know, we talked live and, and previously about, you know, everybody did a black hoodie last year and everybody kind of did a limited, you know, it kind of went from, you know, here's my Teespring link just in all of my videos where you can just go yeah. buy a shirt. Then it went to, okay, I'm doing a, a custom drop that's, you know, mm-hmm. there's only going to be, 500 of them, they're going to cost more money. They're going to look a little yeah. bit cooler because they'll have a logo on the breast pocket, but also the sleeve or something like that. What What do you guys see next within the merchandising space? I know that we talked a little bit about not, not necessarily even just seeing it as merchandising, but seeing it like as consumer goods. I know that we talked yeah. about them being like a little bit more um, a little bit more special to who the creator is and, and the kind of content and what they do, but I'd be interested in hearing from you guys. Yeah, I think it's gonna you're going to see more personalization around the creator itself and the ones that have that strong community, I think they're going to really try to tap in or at least from, from the up North side. I mean, we have clients where we know, you know, what people's fans know them for. So, I mean, that can expand to everything from maybe skincare products, beauty. Um, like t- we have a NHL that we have a gamer. That's the kind of the face of the NHL game. And, you know, we think that eventually he can sell his own hockey stick. So, you know, we really push the boundaries. Um, yeah, I think the opportunities are kind of consumer products for sure. And sort of putting your face behind something where you team up with an established company um, and, and you get behind there. Cole and I are, are trying to put together right now something that's really exciting um, in the consumer product space that we're hopeful to launch in a couple months um, that one of our creators will be behind. Um, and it's a different type of, I wouldn't even call it merch. Um, it's, it's a consumer product that they'll be involved in that really fits the community. It fits the game that they play. Um, and it's something that we haven't seen before. Um, I wish I could talk about it, but it it is really exciting. I think it, 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 you know, when we, when we continue to develop it, people will be like, ah, that's actually a functional, uh, product, um, that I'm actually going to with. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see also like a lot of co-branded collaborations, right? Like I think that's uh, a pretty common trend now more so in the lifestyle space. I mean, you see creators partnering with like sunglasses companies to do their own labs. And I think we'll, we'll start to see some crossover there. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was going to say is I'm, I'm still waiting for gaming to catch up with makeup. Like it seems that they just lead the charge so much there. Like how often are these makeup influencers not only doing like live meetups, but their own full custom palettes and eyeshadows and they're picking all their colors that are related to them and, and the styles that they like at any time. You know, anytime I go with my girlfriend into Mecca or something like that, there's there's just walls and walls and walls of, you know, the Shan XO who's one from New Zealand over here. There's Jeffree Star over there on the wall. There's a James Charles palette, you know, with the new brand. Like it's just nuts, but you don't. 
you don't see that very much at right. all in the space unless it's like a, a steel series esports team mouse but from my experience those don't necessarily sell that fantastically at least not in our local market here in australia so that's what we're trying to figure out too is like i think i mentioned it before of like you know there's the peripheral companies those are the products or the chair that you mentioned there's no creator doing a chair like you know, I think that's where gaming really has to figure itself out, especially from a creator standpoint of what are functional products that they can sell outside of just a partnering with SteelSeries and doing a collab there. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're amazing and great, but how can you push the boundary even further? Yeah, one of the one of the trends I'm looking at is is similar to um, what FaZe Clan did with Heat. As far as I understand, um, one of one of FaZe's um, talent personally is invested in Heat. So Heat do like these luxury boxes. So mm-hmm. they come in like a Gucci style box, you know, with the wrapped tissue paper. It's nice. It's thick yeah. cardboard with magnetic. But they did a launch with FaZe where it was two to three custom pieces of FaZe merch, and then somewhere between one to three custom high end, um, you know, high quality fashion right. goods. So you know, I got sent one of these packs. For example, I got like a nice phase crew neck with like a, a thick embossed um, champion logo on it. I got sent a t-shirt with like a nice stitch logo and then like a $250 pair of off-white shorts and like a pair of socks and things like that too. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm feeling like, you know, this kind of bundles is something that, that's going to be fairly interesting in the future. And once again, it, it is related to the audience. Like you guys were saying, like every time you see phase guys, they're wearing Balenciaga, they're wearing Gucci off-white, that kind of stuff too. But, you know, even from a business standpoint, you can start to work some extra margin into these kind of things. You know, it's no... You know, everybody knows that an RGB keyboard does not cost $35 more than a non-RGB keyboard to produce, but mm-hmm. it's it's that adds extra. You know, everyone knows that the that the Gucci, you know, um, slides are not worth, you know, the $500, but they come mm-hmm. in the nice box. When the nice box itself costs $3 to produce, but probably adds an extra $100, yeah. you know, to the price and things like that too. So, yeah, I'm really thinking that, you know, this kind of bundled goods, putting these kind of um, custom packs together that have something to do with these creators is, is um, yeah, something that might be interesting comes down to brand at the end of the day. I mean, if, if you have a community and they, they understand it and they resonate with what you're, you know, you identify with, you can sell anything you want. Like, and, and, and it's evident that people are selling, you know, anything and everything. Um, if it fits something and we have dedicated community audience, they're going to buy it. Yeah, that's true. I guess if you can sell the bathwater, you can, you can sell anything else, right? <laughs> so go, you know, you, you, um, we, we talked a bit before about like traditional people come into gaming, but I'd be interested in, in hearing about the opposite way around. Like, mm-hmm. do you, do any of your creators get invited to, you know, traditional sports events? You know, have you got many of these mainstream companies approaching them looking for campaigns, you know, car brands, insurance, like this kind of stuff too? Yeah. I mean, uh, from a non-endemic standpoint, we've, been lucky to work with everyone from like Ford, Ford, like the car company to like the Nesquicks of the world to Shutter, like AMC's uh, horror platform, with Gatorade with some of our sports talent. Um, so definitely seeing them dip their toes into this market. Hmm. Yeah. I've been, been really interested to see um, when, like I, I talked to the, uh, I'm not exactly sure what his title is. Something like head of global partnerships for the UFC. He's mm-hmm. a, he's an Aussie guy, and I was saying to him, look, every every single like I'm a UFC fan. Whenever you see the UFC, yeah. you can tell like pre-COVID, you can tell that they make sure to show who's in the audience. So if the Rock's sitting there because they've got the special Dana White seats, they'll show him on the camera and they'll say it's the Rock. Like yeah. I'm going to be really interested to see. And I said to him, like, why 
why in craters there? Why why isn't FaZe sitting ringside? FaZe has more followers than The Rock has and, and it's an audience that you guys are trying to reach, you know, into the future. I'm going to be interested to see, you know, when that kind of stuff comes, when they're panning the, the NHL stands and it's not just your face of NHL guy sitting there, but it's also the, you know, small direct club, you know, COD crater that you've done work with as well. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm excited for that moment. I think COVID will slow that down, unfortunately, but yeah, I, I think that'll eventually happen for sure. You know what's so funny? This is this is so random. I was at a Toronto Raptors game four four years ago, and they actually said "Welcome Phase Clan," and I had no idea who they were. That was like four yeah. or five years ago. That was yeah. at a basketball game. So I, I I randomly just thought of that, but I remember that happening, and I had no idea, like, because a lot of them are from Toronto, so I had yeah. no idea like who what they were talking about at all. Yeah, there you go. So how do you, like you guys said, you've got three divisions within your company so far. How do you, how do you make the time? I assume you've got other employees or just you two guys kicking it for the, yeah. For the most part or? Yeah, it's, it's just Cole and I right now. I think what we've been able to do over the last two years is really build the infrastructure for a management company, which has then allowed us to open new opportunities from the content and business venture side, because, you know, a lot of that stuff just extends um, by way of our clients and them wanting to push the boundaries, us, us wanting them to push the boundaries. is sort of like a cyclical process there. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's been really good to talk to you guys because, I, like I said before, I've been thinking long and hard about the quantity over quality and thinking about, you know, what's the merits of a business and how can you create a sustainable business by only having a few select but very hand-picked and, and very cared and looked after creators. And it looks like you guys are doing a pretty good job, but it also sounds like a lot of work at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think just differentiising ourselves too is, I mean, like we said before, the got to catch them all. There's a a new management company or agency popping up all the time. They're trying to scoop up of talent and, and for us to differentiate ourselves and, and stand out and, you know, let our work speak for itself of how we're doing things differently and how it's just really not a, a transactional relationship that we have with, with our talent is, is very, very important. It's sort of one of our core beliefs as a company. Mm, and I assume it's got to, it's got to be some pretty solid planning and balancing on the, on the part of you guys, right? Which is how much time do you invest to build these new companies that take potentially seven years to pay off if at all versus, you know, you've, you've got talent that need to make money in the interim and you guys need to, you know, pay for your house and food as well at the same time. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that kind of makes it exciting for us too. And, and, and we're so young and, and new to the space. Like we're only been around for two and a half two and a half years about two and a half years so um that's sort of the the exciting part of, of building the company in, in this space in particular yeah and i guess the other the other answer to that too like if i was to answer myself is a lot of these merchandise you know opportunities don't really take much or anything to to, mm -hmm. to, to develop it all right if you're just doing a hoodie you can do it as a pre-order campaign yeah, uh, right you don't really have to put any money down bar maybe 150 dollars for a couple of samples and then the yeah. designer you know, a few hundred dollars for a nice designer to make it, to make something cool for you because, you know, your promotion is the influencer themselves. That doesn't cost you anything. You know, the yeah. shipping is included, you know, and, and you don't do that until after you close the pre-order. So you know exactly how many units to, to purchase as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, I mean, what's the main focus for you guys in 2021? We talked about like your three different, you know, three different things that you're focusing on. Is there one thing that you're looking forward to more than, than any of the others? Yeah, what are you going harder at? On the, on the management side, I think one space that we're very, very invested in already and want to continue to be invested in is the Call of Duty space. I think, I mean, Warzone is from a culturally relevant standpoint, probably leading the charge, especially during this quarantine period. So we've been lucky enough to work with some amazing uh, Call of Duty creators and, and streamers in that space. And I think there's so many 
you know, new and up and coming streamers that because the game's just so hot that, that they're kind of popping up here and there and um, just kind of, you know, t- having, you know, scouting and taking a look at it. But me and Cody always like to place early bets on people. You know, it's a really going back to the quality over quantity, you know, topic. I mean, we really try to take a bet on somebody. It's a gut feeling, you know, even if they don't have the biggest following, you know, if they have the it factor, then, you know, we want to work with them because we believe in ourselves and in our skill sets to basically put the machine of up north behind it and, and help them succeed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So if anyone wants to reach out to you guys to, to follow you online or to chat with you, where's the best place? Yeah. So on uh, Twitter, Instagram uh, handle is up north MG uh, personal is, uh, up North call on Twitter and Cody, what's yours? Mine on Twitter is, uh, at Cody underscore H O C K. And then on Instagram at Cody Hawk. Yeah. Full. Fantastic. Well, thanks guys. Like, I mean, I already said it before, but uh, I had a bunch of questions that I wanted to get answered for a while and you guys answered them. So <laughs> if nothing else, you know, I don't care if anyone else liked this interview cause I did. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, great to have you guys on. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much for thanks having me. And thanks to you for tuning in, whether you're uh, watching the video back later, whether you're watching live right now on Twitch or LinkedIn or listening back to the audio-only version of the podcast. We've got a bunch more interesting guests coming on throughout the year. Hopefully, you're enjoying this new kind of more relaxed style of the podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please give us a rate, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow us on any of our social platforms or myself at Smithy Mayo. I've also joined Clubhouse. So if you want to chat on there, you can feel free to do so. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.